0: Fietscout listen to the art of science. Welcome to the podcast represented by Miavit. Miavit stands for high quality, innovative and profitable special products, premixes and liquids. In this episode we talk about aquaculture, current trends of the future sector. Rebecca Heaviside, R&D Manager, Arctic Feet Ingredients, is giving us an introduction regarding MIAVIT's new collaboration with Arctic Feet and movement into the aquaculture sector. Are you ready, Rebecca? So let's start. First question. Do the fishes drink water?
1: Oh, interesting question. Um, Yes, they do, but not like we drink water and they drink water primarily for oxygen supply and Mm -hmm. also a little to maintain the balance of salt concentrations in their body. And the way this works is that um, fish take water in through their mouths and then excrete it through the gills. And as the water passes over the gills, about 75% of the dissolved oxygen diffuses from the water into the blood vessels. And this is actually much more efficient than human lungs, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to maintaining salt concentrations, the body of saltwater marine fish um, is a lot less salty than actually their saltwater environment. And so they lose a lot of water through their skin and gills by osmosis. So in order to stay hydrated, saltwater fish actually constantly drink water and rely on gills to filter out the excess salts. Of course, this isn't such a problem with freshwater fish, Uh Um, but one quite interesting point is that um, migratory fish such as salmon that move between fresh and saltwater environments throughout their lifetime are actually able to switch from being heavy drinkers to stay hydrated Uh to being heavy urinators in freshwater to get rid of all the excess water instead.
0: Ah, okay. Interesting. Uh, Rebecca, what is aquaculture? Often people are not as familiar with aquaculture as they are agriculture. Is it correct?
1: Uh, Yeah, at least that's my experience. Um, As opposed to agriculture on land, aquaculture is the farming of species in water. Um, People often use aquaculture interchangeably with fish farming, which Mm -hmm. isn't always correct. Ah, okay so aquaculture of course includes fish farming but it also includes so much more than just fish it includes the farming of mollusks such as oysters clams mussels Mm -hmm. uh, crustaceans such as shrimp prawns lobsters and even plants and seaweeds Uh, anything that lives uh, and is farmed in water basically and in order to farm all these different species um Aquaculture also encompasses a whole range of different water-based farming methods and environments. So you've got everything from saltwater shrimp ponds in Southeast Asia and Ecuador to freshwater carp ponds in Egypt, uh, long lines and baskets of oysters and mussels in the USA, Mm -hmm. all the way to sea cages of salmon in Norway. So aquaculture is incredibly diverse.
0: So, Rebecca, let us know, how big is the aquaculture industry?
1: Um, Okay. Um, Aquaculture in some form has been around for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But what we consider modern industrial aquaculture is relatively new, especially when you compare it to, say, poultry or cattle farming. And although it remains smaller than land animal farming, since about the 1980s, aquaculture has grown exponentially and is still growing around the world. Mm -hmm. So just to give you an idea of the actual size of aquaculture, um, FAO reports that approximately 158 million tons of fish and shellfish um, is used for human consumption. And 82 million tons of this, or just over half, Comes from aquaculture production.
0: Oh wow, okay. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot. (laughs) That's
1: a lot. Um, Just another statistic I I came across Um, fish alone, so not including shellfish and plants, just fish, account for 17.3% of the global population's intake of animal proteins and 6.8% of all proteins consumed in total. So I I primarily work with salmon and trout in Norway, and the growth of this industry in particular has been incredible. And Norway is the second biggest exporter of fish after China, would you believe? Mm -hmm. And salmon and trout became the most important commodity traded in value terms since 2013 and accounts for about 18% of the total value of internationally traded fish products so aquaculture is a really important industry um, especially if we're going to continue to feed a massively growing global population and how we are going to feed a growing global population with limited resources in a sustainable way is a real a very real concern for the whole food and feed industry and um, yeah they're taking it very seriously how we're going to do this so aquaculture is really important Mm.
0: Efficiency is very important. is a very important factor to becoming sustainable. How does the efficiency of aquaculture compare to that of farming land animals?
1: OK, um, so when we're talking about the efficiency of feed, uh, we use the term FCR or feed conversion ratio. And this means the amount of feed you have to give an animal compared to how much weight they will gain or essentially the meat you will get from them to eat at the end. Um, Fish farming has the lowest, and therefore the best, feed conversion ratio of about 1.5, which basically means you have to give them less feed in order for them to grow compared to other species. And Just to give you an idea, uh, typical FCRs are about 8 for beef, 4 for pigs, 2 for chicken, and like I said, 1.5 for farmed fish and shrimp.
0: Ah, okay. Makes sense. Uh, Rebecca, you are working within the feed industry, which is a very challenging sector of the aquaculture industry. Why is it so challenging?
1: Yeah, um, I I do work within the feed industry. um, (laughs) More specifically, I work as a researcher within the feed ingredients sector. So not the production of whole finished feeds, but specific ingredients that go into the feeds and the reason I think the feed industry is so challenging is because as I mentioned before aquaculture is incredibly diverse and so all the elements within it like the feed industry are also diverse. Um, As aquaculture is relatively young it's still constantly developing and changing and so as it changes the feeds that we produce have to develop and change too. Mm,
0: For example
1: yeah, for example, there, um, there are still new species being introduced to aquaculture that require nutritionally balanced feeds developing for them and each of their life stages and understanding the nutritional requirements of a species can take many years of research and being able to find the right ingredients to match um, a nutritional profile that's needed can also be an incredible challenge. And that was just one example. There are are also new ways of farming constantly being developed too, such as um, land-based recirculation tanks or offshore sea cages that require more robust or alternatively more biodegradable feed pellets. And these new species and new environments also raise new health issues, new disease concerns, that perhaps we can help by moderating the feed, for example, including some functional micro-ingredients. And just to keep this going, alongside all this, um, ingredients also have to be balanced against sustainability, cost, availability, and perhaps a bit more special towards the aquaculture industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Feed ingredients have to all come together to produce finished feed pellets that also have specific requirements too. So feed pellets have to be a specific size, texture, floating and sinking rate, rate of degradation. Um, they cannot be too quickly broken down in the watery environment or have ingredients leaching out of them into the water. So there's this constant reevaluation and development of feed to meet the current demands. There's, there's really such a lot of R&D that goes, in, that goes into making a single fish feed.
0: Feeds for aquaculture are including more and more plant-based ingredients. Why is this?
1: Yeah, um, this is primarily due to sustainability and cost. Um, Perhaps the best example I can give is the need to reduce or replace the use of fish meal. Some fish, such as salmon, are Mm -hmm. naturally carnivores. And so in the wild, they would get all their required proteins and fats from eating smaller fish, such as herring, so feeds for salmon farming traditionally included a high proportion of these small fish as fish meal but as salmon farming has grown it's become really unsustainable to keep using such high quantities of fish meal so the feed industry has had to find alternative sources of proteins and fats for farmed salmon and this is an incredible challenge because many of the available and affordable sources of proteins come from plants such as soy But fish do not digest these very well and it can cause inflammation in the gut. Mm -hmm. So a great deal of work has also gone into refining plant proteins and also developing anti-inflammatory feeds for fish. Recently, there's been some really exciting new opportunities in this field, such as using insects um, as an alternative source of protein. Um, or even byproducts from other types of farming, which is a really nice um, option when we're talking about um, sustainability and waste. But these are all still quite new ideas um, and require a lot more development and testing before they can be fully integrated into fish feeds. Mm.
0: Rebecca, you mentioned functional micro ingredients. You can tell us more about these?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, micro ingredients are. Uh, to define them, microingredients are ingredients that only that are only required in very small amounts. So mm-hmm. trace elements such as vitamins and minerals, for example, as opposed to the macro ingredients such as fat and protein that form the bulk of feed. Microingredients are added because they have additional benefits. Um, some microingredients are added because they have additional benefits beyond required nutrition, and these ingredients are called functional or active micro-ingredients, and they can help in several ways. Um, Perhaps the best-known micro-ingredients are the beta-glucans. and These are small molecules, carbohydrate chains, that are commonly extracted from the cell walls of yeast, or sometimes mushrooms and cereals. Mm And the beta-glucans, um, most notably, help to enhance the immune system and therefore enhance protection against diseases. And this is particularly important for reducing the use of antibiotics and preventing or at least prolonging antibacterial resistance. Glucans, as well as other yeast-based products and their derivatives, are extensively applied in animal nutrition. Uh, as their functionality is well documented and accepted. And the... They're probably, no, they are the oldest group of functional uh, ingredients to be added to aquaculture feeds at least. Um, other examples uh, of uh, functional ingredients are oligosaccharides or moss products. Moss is another yeast-based microingredient, but these act as prebiotics to help maintain a healthy gut and digestive system by agglutinating pathogenic bacteria and promoting good gut bacteria of the natural microflora. Uh, other functional ingredients include antioxidants to help prevent cell damage and decay, nucleotides that are the building blocks of DNA and essential for growth and maintenance of bodily systems, palatability enhancers to ensure that feeds taste good, <laughs> and varied plant extracts, such as essential oils, vitamins, polyphenols, that can have a range of properties, such as antibacterial, antioxidant, stress reduction. There are many more functional ingredients, but these are just some of the most common that I could mm-hmm. think of. Um, yeah.
0: And what is the Arctic Feed's role?
1: So Arctic Feed, the company I'm with, um, work for work um, with micro ingredients to develop new solutions for the constant challenges in the fish and shrimp feed industry. We also run and participate in scientific trials with many universities and research organisations worldwide. And mm-hmm. um, We collaborate with a lot of um, fish farms, particularly here in Norway, as this is where we're based. And what we want to do is ensure good documentation of products that we, and make sure that we select the best micro-ingredients on the market. There are currently no available reports giving an overview of the global feed market and all, the functional ingre- and all the functional feeds, what these feeds contain and the mode of action. And the development of new micro-ingredients is currently being done by the leading fish feed companies and the possibility of introducing new ingredients is very limited by their dominant market position. There is great interest for new and functional ingredients not only from the feed industry itself but also from fish farming companies mm-hmm. but to date there are no Norwegian feed ingredient suppliers who have taken a position in this area so this is where we hope to come in we hope to select and supply the best micro ingredients in the market as well as develop our own premixes for new challenges and develop models and biomarkers for testing such ingredients to ensure good supporting documentation You'd think that documentation of ingredients would be a given, but unfortunately, it's often not the case or it's very limited. And most functional ingredients are not well understood at all.
0: Can you tell us about your recent collaboration with MIAVIT?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, MIAVIT have a long history of producing quality ingredients and premixes for animal feeds, predominantly for land animals. And as mentioned before, livestock agriculture is a lot older than aquaculture. So there's a lot that we can learn from meavit. it have um, a lot of interesting ingredients that could also be really useful for fish and shrimp feeds and arctic feed can help me a to expand into the aquaculture feed industry as this is where we have many years experience and knowledge of this market mm-hmm. especially in salmon farming which um, as i mentioned earlier is the most lucrative in aquaculture um have the expertise to help us develop new ideas and turn them into viable products and premixes for aquaculture and um, there's two really important reasons why we need to use pre-mixing of our products before adding them to feeds. Firstly, there's a lack of separate silos for our products at the fade feed factories. and secondly, we we often need to add microingredients to a carrier so that it's possible to mix it homogeneously in the feed. So I'm really excited about this collaboration with me a bit. And so far, it's been great. There's been a lot of energy and enthusiasm and some really interesting and novel ideas in development.
0: What would you say, Rebecca, what are the biggest challenges you and MiaVid face?
1: Um, When it comes to functional micro-ingredients, as I mentioned earlier, most are not really well understood or documented. And this means that we see big differences in the effects of similar products. For example, all glucans are not the same. Um, because we don't know how, um, because we don't know fully how or why an effect occurs of an ingredient, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to separate the quality products from the many copycat or me too products. And it's not always the fault of the micro ingredient supplier either, because if you fully don't, if you don't fully understand your product, it's hard to know if you're producing it in the best way even just a small change in processing or storage could affect the biochemical structure of a product that's so important for its biological activity so even looking at glucans the best known and documented of the functional microingredients, these are still raising questions and new theories about how they exert their immune modulating effects and so after nearly 30 years of research there is still a lot of scope to refine and optimize beta-glucans and investigate totally new applications for them. For example, it's recently been questioned whether they're able to help the microflora of the gut. Further, when we're combining ingredients, there may be an interaction um, with each other, and it's difficult to know where the observed effect comes from. And this is where Arctic Feed and Miovit are working so hard. We want to really understand our products and optimize them um, as well as developing new ones.
0: And how are you working to try and overcome this?
1: We're trying to better understand functional ingredients so that we can make even better choices. And we're even going right back to basics um, by looking at the chemical structure of glucans, for example. And as I mentioned, these may have been around in fish feed for 30, 30 or more years now. But new methods and technology being developed is allowing us to investigate them in new ways and test new ideas about how they could function. So we want to see if we can develop and optimise them further still or combine them with something new to make glucose 2.0, for example. Aquaculture has changed a lot Um, there are new environments, new species, even new micro ingredients that need testing and documenting in these new situations. Um, we're also looking at new sources of micro ingredients, such as algae, which is a the, which is a really interesting choice for sustainability. Actually, so, yeah.
0: Rebecca, I understand that you are working with many micro ingredients. Are you working with any that could help the current challenges of fat oxidation? And can you explain the problem?
1: Oxidants and antioxidants are a natural and necessary part of body, and in healthy individuals there's a sort of balance between the two known as um, the redox balance but when you get excess oxidants or reactive oxygen species um, these can be produced in times of stress such as disease handling or even just changes in diet. Um, this in turn can lead to oxidative stress which causes tissue damage and in fish conditions such as cataracts and melanin spots and this subsequently has the knock-on effect that it reduces the quality of fish at slaughter and in the same way oxidation is also responsible for the natural decay or rancidity effects it's what gives the the gone off the gone off smell the stinky Mm. smell (laughs) um, of fish but uh, fish um, are also naturally high in unsaturated omega-3 type fats which is what makes them such a healthy choice um, and source of protein and fat but these fats are much less stable and break apart more easily and are therefore more susceptible to oxidation than other meat products so some antioxidants can be produced by fish themselves to help uh, this problem but other antioxidants must be consumed so antioxidants are commonly added to fish feed to protect both the fats in the fish and the fats in the feed and one of the problems is that um, recently one of the most used antioxidants ethoxyquin was restricted for use by EFSA and ethoxyquin used to be uh, mandatory to use in fish meal to be transported by sea because it prevents explosion and it was very effective but as it's now been restrictive several alternatives are currently being used and developed. Um, some uh, commonly known um, antioxidants um, such as vitamin E, vitamin C and astaxanthin mm-hmm. uh, are commonly added to fish feed, but these are still not as effective as ethoxyquin, so the search for alternatives is still continuing. and one potential group um, of antioxidants are the polyphenols and these could be a really nice alternative and there's many to choose from Um, and this is actually one of our biggest projects at the moment looking for a natural and sustainable alternative to traditional and synthetic antioxidants such as ethoxyquin Um, We're doing this in collaboration with some really prominent industries and research institutes in Norway. So it's very exciting.
0: Okay, I I believe, yeah. Rebecca, we are nearly at the end and uh, please can you sum up future of aquaculture and challenges for the feed industry?
1: Sure. Like other industries, uh, there is a huge drive in aquaculture towards sustainability and this is shaping the agriculture industry in many many ways we are constantly looking for more sustainable more bioavailable or natural more biodegradable ingredients as well as those that can promote health and disease resistance or reduce our reliance on antimicrobial pharmaceuticals and alongside this there are frequent changes in ingredient prices and also new restrictions in how ingredients can be used so Within the aquaculture industry, the feed industry, it's of prime importance to become flexible with the ingredients that we use by having many different um, but good quality options. And this is what we drive towards, to find many quality options that we can be flexible with to meet the constant challenges of the aquaculture industry.
0: Rebecca? It was a very interesting trip into the world of aquaculture. That was a great performance. Thank you very much for that. Dear listeners, Rebecca Heaviside. Thank you, Rebecca.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: (laughs) You're welcome.